Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Mimico's Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How you all doing today? And today I have a fantastic guest by the name of Remzo Martinez. Okay, and um, Remzo uh, is a political commentator. He's a campaign consultant and multimedia producer living in the D.C. area. And he's best known for his podcast, The Remzo Republic, which reaches thousands of listeners each episode across many on-demand platforms and networks. However, the reason why I have delighted to have Remzo on the show is that he is now um, doing something called Haunted Republic. And um, I'm going to bring him on in just a second. But uh, it's one of those uh, situations where somebody goes into uh, the so-called haunted, haunted place and finds out that it's for real. (laughs) So how are you doing today, Ramzo? I am doing outstanding. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. No, likewise. Absolutely. You know, we spoke real quick before. Um, you know, we started recording and, uh, you if you let me, and, and, and I know that you went on that, um, that you accompanied a ghost hunting team to St. Albans and this is in Virginia, right? But before we get yes. into that, let me ask you something. Had you ever had, uh, any type of paranormal experience when you were younger, even if you didn't recognize it as such, you know, how sometimes in hindsight you think back. Um, perhaps, I mean, with, a with an untrained eye specifically, mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely parts of my life where I could say, oh, maybe something strange that happened is paranormal and vice versa. So I always right. had a healthy skepticism as a child and teenager, but it wasn't until about probably a year ago that I began to, you know, become more in tune with this type of stuff, began to, you know, widen my worldview and begin okay. to question whether or not this was something that is capable of occurring. So, yeah, I mean, there were just some things growing I'll joke with my family. I'm like, hey, you think that thing that happens is really what we think it is or is it something else? But it was always, you know, yeah. it was always kind of a running joke. It wasn't necessarily right. something, it wasn't that, something that really, it, sound, it doesn't sound like something that really scared you that you were like, oh, God. And it was just something that could have been either or, you know, it's like, okay. So then let's fast forward to, you said what, a year ago. And yeah. you decided then to go. So <laughs> it's uh it, it's such a weird story. I mean, it's weird is good. Weird is good. Yeah, Go it, well, weird is fun, and weird is what you know makes uh, Haunted Republic so appealing to people. But about a year ago, my brother and my father decided to go together to um, a place called Trans Allegheny in Pennsylvania. Yes, and while, yeah, while they were there, they were saying, hey, I caught stuff on an EVP. I caught stuff on video. And I'm just like, okay, you two are obviously, you know, where's Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just not interested in that stuff at all. I was finishing off my undergrad at Liberty University. And, um, you know, we they, they began to get a little bit more into it. We started watching, you know, Destination America, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the Ghost and Barbecue channel on TV. <laughs> and, you know, it just became one of those things that we we, you know, slowly began to get more interested in. And then over the summer, we were uh, watching some show in the basement of our house. My brother, who also is the producer show, we were just 
talking and we were like you know we could do a program that is so much better than half the stuff on tv it seems mm-hmm. everyone and their cousin seems to be getting a show and i think not only we could produce something that's better but we could you know actually do a much more thorough investigation because my brother is a you know state-of-the-art multimedia producer and i'm an investigative journalist so we were going into this type of thing like you know we could come at it with a completely different lens because it seems like everything that goes bump in the night happens to be a ghost in one of these exactly. shows so we went into haunted republic for more of a you know let's actually do an actual investigation let's not go out to prove our bias but let's go out and you know let's Let's be scientific. Let's be rational about what's going on. Let's just see what we can find. Let's mm-hmm. just try and, you know, have fun with the process. And if we catch anything, great. If we don't catch anything, it'll be a good story because we want to be a storyteller in the process. Sure. So we had, um, you know, looked around and we wanted to find a way that could, you know, easily kind of take it. I did not lose him. Oh, Remzo. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to go and try and get like the regular experience. I want to go on the, I want to go on the tour, but I also want to go for one of these organizations because either two things are going to happen. I'm going to prove that they've actually caught phenomenons that will absolutely change your life. Right. The greatest scammers today. So that's, uh, that's, that's what kind of led to it. And after that point, we were like, okay, let's just go ahead and find something. And boop, it was St. Albans. That was the next opportunity coming up in about a month. Okay. So it took 30 days to uh, pitch it to a couple sponsors and co-producers. And we were like, okay, how are we going to do this? And, you know, everything else is history, essentially. Our first film came out about a month later after that investigation. So what happened? How How, how do we say behind the scenes? Because... I know that when you produce something, you know, there's editing and everything. But what happened to you personally behind the scenes that made you think twice about the possibility that the paranormal is real? It was, um, I think we were pretty good in the film at capturing our real-time reactions. I mean, I had to bleep out and silence the parts where I'm saying, like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> the G-rated version. I was looking at my brother like, holy fudge, that is insane. And, um, you know, that happens. But, you know, we had over eight hours of footage that we had to condense into about an hour-long film. Yeah. There were just certain parts because we had no idea what we were anticipating. Uh, you know, we didn't have any night vision equipment. We really like filmed on the spot with a couple of Canon Rebel cameras and iPhone and a uh, old little silver Kodak. So okay. we didn't really, I mean, we didn't really anticipate, you know, this being uh, what it ended up being. We put together what was a, you know, a pretty quality film that had its faults, but uh, we were just kind of winging it the entire time. And there's so much off camera that we were not able to catch. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an incident on a, you know, towards the end of the night there that I explained on an episode of Jim Harold's campfire, which was just, uh, you know, probably the most surreal experience for me. It was when we came in what I assume in contact was with a demonic entity. And that was probably the part of the night where I'm like, okay, I need a cold shower and some sleep because this is some trippy nonsense going on here. Why, so, why do you, cons- why did you, and I want to interrupt you. Why would you consider demonic versus just a ghost what happened because that's 
that sounds pretty scary what happened if there's such a wide range of emotions that you encounter when you're going through an experience like that, whether or not you're coming at it from a biblical worldview where you understand mm -hmm. there are multiple tiers of reality, or if you're coming at it from a secular worldview where everything is kind of occurring at once. You know, you have a linear existence, so to speak. Right. Um, with that night, I had felt such a wide range of emotions what we encountered throughout the film and you see this were some things that we believe were residual energy there were other parts where we were dealing with uh entities which we do believe were sentient but at no part in the film as you'll see if you go watch it were mm -hmm. ryan and i necessarily scared of what we were dealing with the difference between all of those encounters versus what happened to me in the boiler room of St. Albans Sanatorium was I did believe that I was in um, you know a potential situation for physical harm ah, okay. and that danger aspect the malevolence and oh, evil okay. that you begin to feel is what you know I began yes there we go there we go and that's and that's exactly what what I wanted to know like yeah like what you just said that all of a sudden the feeling it, it's different where you know you you feel like you said it, which is a very accurate word, the malevolence. It's not like, it's just scary because, okay, you're in a dark place running around with cameras where all of a sudden, and and you feel on a personal level, absolutely. I know what you're talking about there. Uh, there's a difference yeah. when you encounter something like that. Yeah, I mean, I hope I wasn't, you know, sounding like I was kind of bullshitting you, being all wordy like that. But, I mean, not it's just <laughs> one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I curse. It, it's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, it's, it's so it's so surreal. It's kind of like people that go, you know, they do like running with the bulls or something or they jump out of an airplane. It's such a rush and it's so easy to be caught up in things. But it was um, I mean, you, there are just certain things in life that you don't forget. Right. And yes. that was one of those things where it's like it definitely left, a, you know, an emotional imprint, so to speak. And you know what you described where like, you know, that you guys went in there with a couple of cameras and iPhones and everything. And personally, um, because like I told you before, since I've been doing this for a long time, you know, I, I was doing stuff like this before the advent of so many gadgets. And I'll tell you for all the, how can I say, the use that people think of as far as to duplicate it or capture it, it draws you away because you're trying to juggle all this equipment sometimes, even though some of them you can leave it running, that it actually takes you away from the actual experience itself. So, in, in my opinion, having a couple of cameras and your iPhones and basically your senses is sometimes the best way to experience something of, of that nature. Even oh, though, definitely. I mean, I, well, I, and maybe I'm just naive, uh, but. You know, I'm also a bit of an egoist. I, I do think that what I was able to put out in that first film is better than half the stuff you'll see on History Channel, mm -hmm. Discovery, Travel, um, and our subsequent films that we've put out re recently since we've been able to upgrade, since we've been able to learn, you know, some of the flaws of the first film. Sure. I'd say that we have drastically improved our quality and our knowledge of how to not just, you know, conduct an investigation, but, you know, 
how do I get this angle? How am I going to make sure that the lighting is good? How do I make sure that I'm not bringing too much stuff in necessarily? Okay. So I definitely think that I've been able to promote something which I call guerrilla journalism, mm -hmm. which is where you make sure that you don't have necessarily all the bells and whistles, but you make sure you have the best quality stuff for that sure. moment. You're applying just the amount of, um, you know, technology and the amount of attention you need just for something that it requires and you're not going overboard necessarily sure. and i'm hoping that what this film shows is that you know and Saint albans was done on a budget of 500 dollars. most of that went towards burger king and hotels. <laughs> but um i mean because we had to get down there sure and, of course uh, you know I was able to put that out. It's reached, uh, you know, over a thousand people on Facebook, um, you know, several thousand more people online. It was a runaway hit. I was on, you know, numerous uh, radio shows and podcasts and, you know, programs like yours because of it. And it's because people were able to see it and they're like, oh, my gosh, what did this fool do? And what I did was I put out something that was good. Right. And, you know, it's it's pretty crazy when I'm getting phone calls from people I graduated from Liberty University with who I haven't mm -hmm. spoken to in months. And they're like, Remso, what's up? And I'm like, how the hell did you get my number? And the first thing they're asking me is, hey, I've got a question about that Haunted Republic. Uh, it's I'm like, yeah, like, I haven't talked to you until now, but weird. guess what? <laughs> what do you want from me? Gosh. <laughs> Pay up first. <laughs> but, you, but let me ask something, Remso. And this is something that I guess what I'm trying to say is you can't quantify it because there was no machine or anything to capture it. But you said that you had this feeling, like how do you know, the only one really that had, that understood it was you because you were inside of your skin. Once you had that experience, and I'm gonna say, it sounds like you had a variety of them, but let's say that one that you described in the boiler room. The, the demonic one. Right, that you said, yeah. that imprinted in me like, and like I said, there's no way for you to prove it. This was something that you experienced. How do you think that that experience affects you now for all the projects that you did afterwards as far as your approach to other other investigations? I was a lot more closed-minded when it comes to the opinions of others. Okay. And I don't think until you're in a position yourself where you're the only person that has encountered something, mm -hmm. do you really begin to develop the empathy towards the experience of others that you need to be a lot more open-minded when you're conducting an investigation. And, uh, you know, I was, I was touched. Uh, okay. I encountered, um, you know, a, a moment where I felt like the EVP reader, I'm sorry, where the EMF reader I had turned mm -hmm. into like what I can only equate to like, you know, touching a really hot park bench. Mm -hmm. It was just like you, I felt like I was about to get branded by that. Okay. I mean, you, you feel your skin crawl in a literal sense. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a grown freaking man. I didn't want to puke in front of a bunch of people, but that <laughs> ended up being something that was going through my mind. I'm like, oh, crap, this is about to happen. Yeah. So, you know, having that experience, I, it, it's almost like knowing your limits emotionally, yes. physically, spiritually. Uh, once you begin to test those waters, you become a bit more gutsy. Uh, I didn't want to turn into a, a Zach from you know, ghost adventures, yes, know you know, I've, I've done some stupid stuff. I never set a Ouija board on fire, touch the Annabelle ball doll, but like, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've agitated spirits for the sake of getting something on camera. I have, mm -hmm. I learned that you shouldn't do that because bad stuff will happen. Um, you know, you begin to, you know, not necessarily let that fear begin to drive you because ultimately what you need to understand is that if you're going out there to document something, you should, show what happens instead of forcing something to happen absolutely yes. and uh you know definitely saint albans 
pushed my limits and showed me my comfort zone and showed, showed me where I was not comfortable. And if it weren't for that, um, you know, we definitely would have not had the success we've had with the next installments of that program. Okay. And um, because I guess, let me ask you, uh, considering that experience that you have, do you think it's wise? And I, and like you said, I'm sure you've seen shows, not all of them, but where somebody in there goes in there and provokes uh, spirits, whether they're there or not, I'm not saying, but that are supposedly, in other words, they, they want that confrontation. Do you think that's a wise move? No, okay. not at all. It's like, you know, I don't want to sound like super millennial on you, but do you know who Harambe is? Go ahead. Do you know who Harambe is? Do you know Harambe? Yes. Yeah, well, you know, did Harambe really deserve to die? I mean, after all, it's that kid's fault. I mean, come on. That you kid's going to go ahead and crawl into that gorilla exhibit and not expect something to happen. I'm not saying I was a genius when I was five or six, but I knew don't crawl into the gor- freaking gorilla. You know what? Well, you, and, and, and I remember oh. when that debate came up that, you know, the thing with Harambe and that my, my understanding was that the kid had fallen in. Which can happen. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course the mother wants you to think that. She doesn't want to admit to the world that her okay. kid was a moron. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, and, but, and how can I say it? Uh, let's go. Let's go with. Uh, let's go with the theory that he fell. Whatever you know. Allegedly. Let's, okay. And you know what? I remember that there was, and I'm an, an animal lover, big time animal lover. I love animals. But I remember there was a debate after he got shot, and I was thinking. At the end of the day, as painful as it was, to me, a child's life is more important than an animal, regardless of how the poor kid ended up in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whether oh, the th- mother was is, careless or, or the this kid. This is perfect, though, because um, I, I completely agree with you. I would have shot the gorilla. It's just a gorilla. This is a kid. This is a human being. You know, right, humans exactly. Are, humans exactly. are above animals. I would have been but callous about it, though. It would have taken, like, I mean, let's – Considering that, hey, you either got to make a decision or maybe get to see this kid get his head bashed against the wall. You know, you yeah. can't just like debate about it. But I wouldn't have been callous about it either. But at the end of the day, <laughs> a human life is a human life. So, yeah. And yeah. I was, you know, I was joking around the moment ago, but those are like some legitimate um, things I heard online. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, Harambe wouldn't do that. It's like, you don't freaking know him. Harambe was a gorilla. <laughs> Gorillas do gorilla <laughs> stuff. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yes. let, let's, let's not. You know, try and personalize this. Let's not get super emotional about it. I'd shoot the gorilla myself. You know, I've per- I've actually publicly stated to SeaWorld, I'm willing to shoot Shamu uh, if they actually need it done one day. Like I'm totally game for that. But you know, when you when you poke a bear, it's gonna do bear stuff. It's gonna oh, maul sure, your face. Sure. It's gonna eat your children. It's not gonna be cool. So, but you know, you know what? Some people have yeah. a hard time. But see, but. You're there. You're 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 describing when you actually physically see what it is that you're provoking or confronting or like you said poking. But in the yeah. case of some of these shows, you know, some of them maybe all they're confronting is thin air for all we know because we're not there. But in the case of like what that experience that you had, where you really don't have a physical form. And it kind of diminishes the danger, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Where that's why I asked you what what you thought about people that go in there and they provoke. Because 
one, they're they're foolish, or two, they're desperate for some type of uh, something to happen, you know? Yes. E- even though it might be more than they bargained for later on. So... Yeah, it, it, I think it has to do with, uh, you know, are, are you coming into it with a position of respect? I think that has a lot to do with it because, um, you know, I think a lot of these things is a cautionary or corollary. Um, you know, if you go in somewhere and you're burning a Ouija board, like, expect weird stuff to happen. It's like, oh, you know, I didn't think my car was going to turn into, like, a giant, you know, death ball of fire when I poured all that gasoline on it and threw a match. It's like, yeah, you know, you should pretty much expect that to happen. If you go into it with no respect, if you go into it with no knowledge, and, you know, I came into everything kind of, you know, as a newbie because I thought, hey, this is the experience of my, so you you did know, that? Of my average listener. Well, no, I mean, I, I Googled stuff. As a good millennial, I went ahead and Googled stuff. I learned, hey, what should I do? What should I not do? So I had an idea of, okay, if I'm going to go into this as a professional investigator, what should I know? If I'm going to go into this as, you know, one of these ghost hunters or something, what should I know? So I went into everything with a healthy degree of skepticism and respect as well because I don't know what I'm going to find. You know, if I went in there automatically thinking, oh, I'm going to find something or I'm not going to find something, I'm already leading into one preconceived notion or another. Okay. So um, are you planning to, I mean, is your, the direction that you're going to go into, is it going to be more places like St. Albans as far as historical locations or what is it, what kind of sites are you interested in, in going to, uh, to investigate? I, uh. I was a blogger for a while before I got into the whole journalism thing. And the biggest thing that I began to realize was, you know, you got to go where the story is. And I will go where I believe there's a good story, whether it's someone's basement or the Amityville Horror House. You know, if there's something that goes bump in the night and I think I could get a good story out of it one way Mm -hmm. or another – I'll go there. So I'm, you know, I'm an equal opportunist. We're, I mean, we've investigated churches, battlegrounds, bridges, St. Albans. Uh, we're about yeah. to go, you know, this is a bit of a teaser, so I'll go ahead and announce this on your show. Go we're right about ahead. to go. We're about to go um, investigate a winery. Really? Yeah, so oh. instantly I'm excited for that, but <laughs> probably for a different reason. But what? You know, okay. uh, because of the, in. you know, you're going to investigate the spirits or the spirits? spirit okay both <laughs> both both the spirits and the spirits so the benevolent and the malevolent and the malevolent okay depends on which side of that equation you want to put that on but okay next. Perhaps the, the benevolent spirits will probably come the next day not <laughs> yeah, during the investigation unless people want to you know if someone wants to donate like a crap ton of money i will actually do an investigation while drinking i i'm open to that idea. oh that'll, let me tell you something <laughs> you'll either have incredible results or you'll wake up with one big headache behind the in the grass somewhere one of those two things uh, let me. And what is that? Does the winery have a reputation of being haunted, or is this something that they just came across recently? It, it's been haunted since they started, and oh, these really? are people that you know. Uh, <laughs> they wanna they wanna operate a business, so if they are being told, "Hey, there's a guy floating on a camera," and the guests see that, obviously that's not very good for business. So sure, and. Um... And, and this is the thing, because sometimes, I, uh, especially when it comes to businesses, sometimes they've experienced things for years, but they're kind of hesitant. They kind of like, 
either like write it off or live with it but it comes to the point when they finally reach out or they allow somebody to come in there sometimes there's a precipitating event where they say okay this is it we're done with this is that what happened to this location uh, we're, we're kind of like and you know i don't want to sound super satirical but we're kind of like ghostbusters i mean we haven't actually had too many people reach out to us specifically but when people have reached out to us mm-hmm. like crap has hit the fan oh, okay like, people are people are ready to quit uh, sales are down. Yes, you know, okay. people are afraid to go to their business. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, it, we we go in, and what we want people to have is a peace of mind because the show has not just become you know an entertainment source for some people, an extra source of revenue and attention for my brother and I and our team, but you know, I I feel that has a purpose because okay. on several occasions we've been able to go places where um you know. There, there's a story that you don't know okay. until you've conducted your investigation. You're sitting down with someone, and you're okay. Okay, this is what I found. Mm-hmm. You fill in the rest, and you you figure out. Oh my gosh, that's my friend that you encountered who died. Or oh my gosh, I had that yes. happen. I didn't tell you that. Um, you know, life is a is an experience itself, and you know when you begin to understand that a lot of things are interconnected. Uh, I'm a big proponent of free will, but mm-hmm. I do believe that there's, uh, you know, there are certain roads that we have to cross at certain points that okay. intersect with other people. And I think that Hunt is Republic serves the purpose of also giving people some peace of mind sometimes, whether it's sure. good or bad, whether it's we catch something or don't. I could tell you, honestly, of all the investigations we've conducted, I've never been to a place that was not haunted. I've had places that have different levels of experiences mm-hmm. and different levels of activity. But so far, we've been very selective as to okay. the locations we go. And, uh, you know, obviously, it's going to be bad if we don't catch something. But, you know, I've always been open to the fact of if even you think there might be something there, let's go right. there and investigation. So when that happens, I will gladly put out the investigation, an episode where we didn't catch anything. But we're about four or five episodes in right now. And, uh, I mean, so far, it's just been, you know, it's been a crazy train. So let me ask you, do you have a team go that you have that goes there or do you hook up with a team that's working out of that area where you're going to? How are you working it's, up? The, the core team is my brother and I, uh, depending on the availability of others. We do have some friends and some uh, people that we know in the field mm-hmm. that come with us. So it depends on time and location. Uh, you know, each film we've had different people come in the second episode which is a patreon exclusive episode in gettysburg pennsylvania my uh-huh. father remso senior was part of it wow <laughs> yeah so my dad was part of the sequel haunted republic suicide bridge in uh-huh. uh, our last public episode which was our halloween special haunted republic behind bars you can catch all this on facebook uh youtube and our patreon stuff is on our patreon account www.patreon.com slash remso republic um uh-huh. you had actually uh, the first boss that Ryan and I had together as a team. He was running for a uh, house of delegates here in Virginia. And we were like, Hey man, you're going to come with us. So we had our old boss and our best friend, Brian come okay. down. Uh, we had one of the guys from, uh, you know, one of the podcasts that we produced, Jason carrier, uh, him and his wife came down for that one. And then for the third, ep- I'm sorry, for the fourth episode, which comes out this week, haunted Republic, the visitors, we had, uh, one of my friends from the army, uh, Mike Amaral come out. Okay have my girlfriend come too except at one point she was like this stuff is too crazy and she left and she took the <laughs> car and my wallet but you know it's uh it's been fun each time 
we always get people to come in and you know we've had people that believe in it and we have people that are like this is crap and at the end of the night they're like holy crap this is real so yeah. it's it's so much fun to have people that just want to enjoy the process and i think that's where so many people um get lost and you know i, I want to sound respectful to the others that you know put out content for you know paranormal shows and stuff like mm-hmm. that they're all very good-hearted people but some of their stuff is just crap it's like if you don't show the process, if you don't show, you know, how it was done and if you're going into everything as, a, you know, one absolute, you know, suicide game or another where it's like you have to catch something or you don't have to catch something, the right. process is gone. The story yes. itself is skewed. You have nothing to show other than good, good intentions and no exactly. one gets anywhere by good in- intentions alone. Well, and and this is one of the things that, you know, a lot of times – I want to say is a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sometimes too rehearsed, for lack of a better word, yeah. is that you'll go to certain places that are reputed to be haunted supposedly by this person or this, you know, whatever. And they, that's who they come up with. And, and uh, if you've ever done this for a while, you really don't know sometimes who's going to show up and you're going to capture evidence on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the person or the thing or whatever that is supposedly attached to that because the supernatural is not an on-demand thing and you just never know which player is going to stroll you know it's not it's not a video game where you could just pick up somebody else's profile press load and then enter the middle of the game you it's like building legos you have to start from the first block and work upwards yes yes and you always have to leave it open for for like you said the surprise element of this is not what i was expecting but let's go with it because this is what it is. And I think that's a lot more authentic and genuine, especially, um, you know, when, like you said, when there's so many shows out there that are kind of a little bit too, you know, like already, you know, where it's going to end up at when you start seeing the unexpected, you know, like, Hey, or like, as you said, very importantly, that the process, you know, you, you actually show the process of, of how or what happened while you were there yeah i i have i have many people who are a part of our patreon program who have seen every episode both the public and the exclusive episodes of haunted republic and the one thing we always get is wow you do not know how these episodes are going to end mm-hmm. i mean sure. this is such this is such a raw story and exactly um you know we we capture as much as we possibly can it's such a raw story, and we try and make we try and make it an immersive experience. Sure, um, you know, you you never know how it's going to end, and well, that's and- just how it ends up. I mean, we don't take it that way. We just let the camera roll. And, you know, it's exactly. kind of like writing a book. Once you start to get in the groove, the book writes itself, so to speak. Yes, yes, and you know what? You made a very good point there. That besides the obvious, which is I'm hoping we're going to capture, record somehow or other some type of paranormal event or entity. I think it's also when you see that the people that are there, that their reactions are genuine. And you know what I mean by that, right? <laughs> that Yeah, if if you see a grown man say, oh my gosh, I almost crapped myself, like, that's as genuine as you're going to get. Okay, well, well, and you know what? I guess where... I guess after a while you could tell when some when somebody, their reaction is really spontaneous. <laughs> like, this person is either really scared or... Or they're like that. I think that's very engaging, especially nowadays, where sometimes you you kind of can force 
foresee what the next reaction is going to be. I, I could I could tell you a quick story real fast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Take your time. Go ahead. And you can see the commercial that has this specific scene online. It's for Haunted Republic Suicide Bridge. But um, there was a part in our Gettysburg investigation where I was, uh, I believe I was attacked by a demonic entity. Um, I was choked. And at one point, and you see this during the commercial. So if you don't want to pay a dollar a month for awesome stuff, one, that's your boss. Secondly, uh, you'll see in the commercial that um, I puke in front of everyone and i was at, not, i've been at gettysburg twice what part of gettysburg were you at where, where the, did su- this the suicide bridge it's near the wicked tree between the grove let me ask something Su- because and, and i'm going to interrupt you really quick and this might have yeah. this happened like maybe 10 years ago was at gettysburg and uh one time I, we will go to 7-eleven which by the way if i don't know now but before gettysburg after dark everything kind of closes down Still, yep. still the case. Still the case, right? <laughs> I mean, I was there like four five the years McDonald's. ago, but I was passing through, and I we pull into a like a little Seven Eleven kind of store, and there's some ghost hunters there, local ghost hunters there. I mean, I wasn't there ghost hunting; I just happened to be there, and they said, "Hey, you want to come with us to this bridge?" But it wasn't; it was supposedly attached to a bridge where a lady had committed suicide, and I don't know if that's what you're talking about because it wasn't. You know, everything in Gettysburg is usually attached to the civil war and we went along with them but is that what you're talking about yes but the thing about this bridge specifically is that all of the um documented entities that professional investigators have been able to kind of tag so to speak yeah they're all post civil war they actually believe a lot of these um spirits and entities came in the late 90s when more of the activity started being uh, yes. Encountered. Yes, I had an experience like that at the hotel I stayed at. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. They were post Civil War entities. We believe yes. that there's a demonic presence that lures people to commit suicide because just fun. Fun fact about demons: they can't hurt you, but they can make you hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this uh, this thing, we had provoked it, and long story short, I had been attacked, and I ended up puking in front of God, my father, everyone, and. Point. They're like, oh, I want to check that puke. I want to see if it's real. Next thing you know, this one guy comes over, this one uh-huh. woman. It's like, that's uh-huh. real. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Food, too. So it, word for like, it. <laughs> it was just like, holy crap. And you see it like people, people, there's a, there's, it's called puke gate. It's a conspiracy. I saw two people uh, try and start online. It's like, how did Rem so fake the puke? And they're, like it's so it's so dumb but like you see it like my brother he's he's a terrible human being because instead of helping me he filmed it all <laughs> and it's just like it's not one of my most glorious moments but you know got film the process good or bad right. it's the remso puking episode essentially and uh you know it was hilarious <laughs> in retrospect yeah, so did, it was did terrifying you, did you did you throw up because you were scared or because you were nauseous like what made you i throw- thought um, mentally, like in that moment, I could have sworn that my brother ha- was pulling a prank on me mm-hmm. and that he jumped on my back and began to choke me. And within a split second, it's like I was able to just look around. I saw that my father was probably about six feet away from me uh-huh. and my brother was on the other end of the bridge. What? So I was, I had at least like a good arm's length away from anyone. So as I'm looking around, because I start, and I think you can kind of see it in the film, but I'm saying, like, Ryan, Ryan, I thought that he was messing with me. Right. And then, like, no one's here. I'm like, what just jumped on my back, and what has me in kind of like a chokehold? 
Oh. Yeah. Wow. That was that was very fun. It's uh it's like my Darth Vader force choke moment. It was That's not like necessary. a very visceral uh reaction as far as it, that thing hates men men who have been there have not been and it's funny because i had the woman the lead investigator on the program to do a, like a after action episode of the haunted uh-huh. podcast which is on patreon and she told me that now my father and my brother and i are legends we're known as the puking family so oh, lovely <laughs> uh, yeah so people have been pushed people have felt nauseous but nobody has had such violent you know reactions as we had so you know, it was wow. that is crazy. That's pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Violent. Yep. Trippy. Yeah. Trippy stuff. That is. That is. <laughs> hmm. But you know what? I'm telling you, there's a good chance. I don't think it's a coinky dink that you're. I I think that uh, you might have a certain level of sensitivity, Remzo. Because I, I'm telling you, there's people out there that I'm telling you, they're like what I call like nails. They're so nailed to the earth. I mean, they could be in the most haunted uh, place and nothing. It just. And... I, uh, you are not the first person to tell me that. Um, it is something that I have began to look into. I mean, it, I really started to take it seriously when I started um, having sleep paralysis occur. Okay. In the following um, you know, it is something that I have, I'm a bit hesitant to look more into it, but I, I, I do believe there's a reason that when I say, I think we need to go to this location or something, mm-hmm. I think there's a reason why we've always had activity there. Yeah. You're following your gut instinct. Yeah. I think is... it's that sixth sense, so to speak. Yes, of course. Of course. Everybody has a different name for it, but absolutely. Yeah. And, but just the fact like that when you're there and if there is something there that you're having these experiences which are very tactile i mean there's people that will tell you oh i had feelings some people have bad dreams before or after some people will sometimes hear something or even smells but something like that that's so tactile that let me that 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 leads me to believe that you are more sensitive than the average person even though i think most people are have some type of sensitivity more or less to a different degree, but um, you're plus you're, and, and I have a feeling also that you're very observant. Uh, what can I say? Observative person, if not vigilant. You're you you're always on top of what's going on around you, and I think that that helps a lot. You're on top thank, of it. Thank you. I, I try and. Ultimately, what people deserve is the truth. What people deserve is, uh, you know, what what people deserve is, you know, a look through the lens of not me, but I want them to feel like it's an immersive experience, so to speak, because, uh, you know, people crave adventure. People are like, why is a political commentator and a journalist, why the heck are you doing this? And my question was, because people said it was weird that I was, therefore, I should probably do it. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, this is. I'm not going to get political on you, I promise, but this is the most real news that you're going to get sometimes. <laughs> yes. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, and, and you made a very good observation. You know, there's a, a plethora of shows out there nowadays, which you, it's anything but real. Uh, they're very scripted and uh, 
even though people don't see behind the scenes. So after a while, even though sometimes I look at them just to look at the locations and to get the history, because I am a history buff when it comes to that, after a while, it's like, huh. Uh, the only similarity my show has with any of those is I promise two things. You're probably going to get scared, but you're going to have a fun time. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, 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 and the thing is this. If you're a paranormal investigator worth your salt... Okay. Yeah, there are going to be moments when you're going to get scared and your first instinct is to either run away or puke. I'm sorry. I've just had to throw that in there. <laughs> sorry. But... You're not the first. You won't be the last. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's what you're there for. You're not in there like happenstance, like somebody that's just walking around and has this awful experience and they hightail it out of there. When you see some of these investigators run away, you're like, wait a minute. That's what you're supposed to be there for. You know, you're supposed to be there to like confronted or investigated or find out, you know, was that the wind or was that, what was that? Um, and sometimes you find that lacking in a lot of these shows where, um, you know, it's almost like, come on, there, the, uh, be, have a show a little bit of fortitude here. And, and I know sometimes in actuality, and I'm not talking here, because I've been to plenty of places that it's like nothing, there's nothing there, nothing's happening, whatever. But I've had encounters myself where I know, I know what's real and what's not. Um, where it does take intestinal fortitude to stay there and stand your ground and say, okay, uh, I'm going to walk into that room. Okay. Or I'm going to go down that hallway, even though I feel like running, you know, and going somewhere where there's a lot of light. I know it, it I, I think that sometimes yeah. it's um, that 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 uh, what what you, what do you call it? I, I I call it I call it like you know paranormal larping. It's like <laughs> you get well, you got hoodie, get all your goth friends, and you got posed for a picture, and you got to go into the place, and you got to lock yourself in for twenty four hours, <laughs> and you last twenty four minutes. Yeah. But uh, you know, there, there's a really funny SNL skit that came uh, out when uh, when Will Ferrell was still doing the George Bush impressions, and he's uh, talking about all the presidential candidates running for like twenty sixteen or something like that. He's like, all these people are all brains and heart and logic, and we need more gut and balls and i'm like you know we just need adventurous people yes to go exactly. into this and if you don't go into it like wanting that adventure well then you're gonna run away because you're just a larper yeah if you call yourself a paranormal investigator investigate of sherlock holmes didn't stop just because moriarty threatened him you know the, the the character of a story because everything life life is about a story brand. That's one thing that I figured out. Life is about story arcs, and we it's it it's not just happenstance that that happens in literature. I compare a lot of life to literature because it's the narrative that people understand. But yes. there's a reason why it exists in literature. It's because that's actually part of the human experience. Yes. You know, you know, I think that these LARPers just need to get their, you know, they need to be like uh, Will Ferrell Bush, just need to be more like gut and balls, and they'll be good with that later. Or, or you <laughs> could go by what something that Louis Lamore said. He said, adventure is another name for trouble. <laughs> exactly. And a little bit of trouble is a little bit of fun. <laughs> of course, of course. It depends what it is. If not, life would be boring. And then what are you going to tell your grandchildren when you're old and 
You can't get I'm into not, trouble I, anyway. I'm going to get to keep the puke story for the rest of my life. Oh, of course, of course. You know, it'll be something like when your parents drag out your baby album and stuff, and or you know, your your first grade pictures, things like that. <laughs> well, what's hilarious is that in that situation, as my brother was filming me, my dad is laughing at me. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, what's going on?" So now that's that's that's. That's male bonding right there. Yeah. I was going to say, you know what? Absolutely right. That's a male bonding thing because if a girl vomits, all the other girls are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? We need to leave this place. Yes. Yes. I yes. Right. Or something. I don't know. Yes. Leave your, us alone. Your dad probably thought something had upset your stomach and it was like, hey. <laughs> he thought it was the Indian food, but he's like, why are you bending over like that? You're not that flexible. And I'm like, something's on my back. And it was how long did, <laughs> Let me ask you something. All kidding aside, how long did you have, did you have that feeling of something choking you? It, it felt forever. Like, okay. it, like, I know it's a very vague term. It felt like it happened oh. for like, you know, hours and hours. Uh, when we look at the camera, it mm-hmm. only lasted probably around 15 seconds. Okay. From the moment you hear me start coughing to when I start like jerking around to when I puke and when I okay like days like it was a pro- it was only fifteen seconds according to the camera okay and yeah I'm I'm gonna ask because I ask a, um have you had any experiences after you leave afterwards either that uh, night or the following days the the sleep paralysis. Um, was pretty consistent for about a month. Okay, after wow. That. After that uh, experience. After that experience specifically. Uh, I actually did conduct an investigation several weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... Uh, I, I'm pretty certain that it was something that was lingering. Okay. Well, it's kind of like food poisoning, so to speak. Go to the restaurant, but you know, you leave with the food poisoning. Um, yeah. The sleep paralysis was something like I'd never... Uh, encountered before because I had a really bad, a really, it was, it was a very like, you know, life altering concussion about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I had already, um, you know, been on certain medications to help me sleep. Right. And, uh, you know, deal with pain and stuff like that. So I was used to my uh, REM cycle right. already being a little bit in flux, but there were moments where it's like I'm replaying a specific scene from the bridge or somewhere else where, okay. you know, tell it's kind of like a flashback but it's not because people are wearing different clothes or people really? are in different positions from what i remember and there are just things that happen where it's like it's happening i'm like wait a second that did not happen okay. and it's like i know i'm in a dream i'm like wake up wake up wake up wake up and i could uh-huh. feel myself kind of like trapped in myself i'm just trying to like physically yeah. j- shake or jostle and i can't wake up wow yeah. and when that thing was on your back and I know I'm going to say thing. Did you ever get a sense? Was it human, non-human? Was it male? Was it female? It felt like I thought it was my brother. I thought it was my brother, you know, okay, so- trying to freak me out. So that way we could get more Patreon pledgers. It's like, watch Rebso flip his crap. It's like, I thought he was being okay. a jerk. So I was mad. I felt, I felt like it was my brother. But quickly I look over and I'm like, wait a second. That's not my brother. That's not so my dad. So basically what you're saying is that as strong as it was, you were thinking this has to be a man that's... Basic grabbing around the neck. I'm a, I'm a pretty burly guy. Like it, I'm not saying I'm Chuck Norris or anything, <laughs> but you've got to be a guy at least like equal to my stature. Like I'm, okay. I'm six foot. Like you've got to actually like be around my stature to try and take me out or something. 
um, with that, I felt like it was, and my brother is actually taller than me. Ryan's actually taller than me. And if anyone has seen producer Ryan, you know that in the first film, St. Albans, he's trying to get a sponsorship from Brickhouse Nutrition. So, you know, just, just saying if they're watching okay. this, but, uh, no, like I thought it was my brother because it had to have been someone that was like equal build, uh, equal or stronger than myself. And it was just, you know, I, I was convinced it was him and it wasn't. And it wasn't my dad either. My dad's a my, my dad's a lethal weapon. Okay, my dad's a career army guy. Like he could he could mess someone up. So I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be one of them, but it's not. And you know that that was actually scarier because I would almost rather have been a prank. So you you mentioned that one of the ghost hunters said that that males are the ones that are attacked at this bridge. Yeah. Do they have any? Uh likely suspects as to who they think it is that attacks men when they go there they think it's a demonic entity that uh according to local legend and stuff mm -hmm. uh lures people in and tells them to jump oh yeah we're dealing with a really screwed up thing there okay but there's no there's no um i guess um story behind why men are the targets though it's just no they it's they've been like this area that bridge specifically has been uh a location for investigators for over 27 years now okay. and they don't know why they think it's because uh men provide kind of like an antagonistic okay. aura and okay. because of that because it's being challenged on its own turf it wants to get into you know like a peeing contest so to speak mm -hmm. so you know because of that it has to bring men down a notch and nobody knows that the origin of it or how it was happened to start affecting they, this bridge they do know that uh several within the last two years there was an incident where a couple teenagers went and burned a ouija board uh, i think it was under the bridge or okay. somewhere at the other end of that and um you know from there uh people started seeing people like actual physical apparitions started to appear mm -hmm. uh voices started to tune up i mean um, okay like, like the stuff began like people people knew something was there but okay. it wanted to be known okay so i think you know just based off my limited knowledge and experience i think what it did was it opened up uh, a door that should not have been opened okay and, and it and, used the tragedies of what happened there. Like there, there was there was like a triple suicide at one point with three okay. high schoolers. Right, and 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 the, and the reason why I ask this is that I've I've come across story scenarios where you've had somebody, a suicidal person, let's say in this case a man. We're gonna go with a man thing, commit suicide, but somehow or other he missed the part where he's actually successful. So the spirit, whether you want to call it a demon or a male spirit, I don't know what, what's going on there. Basically, they try to reenact. They, they're still trying to complete the suicide. So they try to take over, in this case, another man to do it. They kind of miss the part where, hey, whatever you're trying to do, you did kill yourself. So they kind of try to do that. That I want the, that driving, like what you described, where they, they drive people. Potentially. Potentially. I mean, I have no definitive evidence but right, i could definitely right, right. that that's a good argument yeah i i've i've heard of that happening where um especially uh they say sometimes that happens especially when there's suicides that uh are um 
unsuspected, you know, where people that commit suicide are like, everybody's like totally baffled. Like, why would this person do this? This was so unexpected. Um, I've heard, or in certain places like well, that. You know, it's like when the when the football captain and the prom queen end up, you know, shooting each other or something like that. It's like, yes. what will happen? Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the theories that floats out there. But anyway, uh, Remzo, thank you so, so much for spending this time. I think it was fantastic. I think thank you're on to you. something f great. And I'm looking forward to looking at all your... Uh, episodes of Haunted Republic because, believe me, I'm always looking for the new and refreshing angle when it comes to the paranormal and supernatural. And um, especially if you're going to places that are new. When I say new, new as a new, maybe maybe they've been haunted, but they really have not been in the public eye per se. Uh, and see what happens out there. I think it's it's great. And I wish you all the luck in the world. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. So take care and have a fantastic night. And again, thank you so, so much. No problem. Bye. Bye-bye. So guys, what did you think? I loved it. <laughs> and I know everybody's thinking, you love everybody, Marlene. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. How can I tell you? I have a soft spot for fellow paranormal enthusiasts. But uh, one of the things that I like about um, Remzo's um, encounter with the paranormal or his decision to go forward with uh, investigating other locations was that initially when he went on the first uh, investigation that he went to, which was St. Albans, which is uh, it's a, it's a sanitary mountain, Virginia. A uh, very similar history to a lot of sanitariums that they were reform schools that sometimes they have people that are mentally ill. It has a history of, you know, of having, of housing humans under the most dire and tragic circumstances. So it's a given, like I told them, that when you go there, if not active, you're going to get residual stuff. That's But anyway, he went in there basically trying to debunk it. He was not going in there as in, uh, I want to find something, you know, I, or it, it, something he said, he's the captain of the ship or him and his brother are the captains of the ship. They don't have a producer or a company uh, telling him, you better find something out there. You better make it exciting. You blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's entertaining. But from what I understand, he went out there on that first one thinking, okay, we're going to get all this material and great but ne he didn't have any expectations as a matter of fact he was kind of leaning towards the at the end of the night we're gonna go and run around this dark sanitarium or whatever in the dark and that's we're not gonna have anything to show for it as supernatural and um and he had an experience and i want to tell you something that in and of itself is priceless and uh, and this I think was what I was trying to tell him even if you didn't capture it on the camera even if you didn't you know couldn't produce proof like hey this is what I felt when I was in that boiler room where all of a sudden I felt that I was confronted with something malevolent because how can you translate what you're feeling in whatever part of your body your senses that this is what it is basically you have to take the person's 
word for it, but for your own inner belief system, once you cross that threshold, okay, especially when you're dealing with the paranormal, it's like whatever you do afterwards, whether it's to capture evidence for entertainment purposes, when I say entertainment purposes because you're trying to produce a show, whatever, whatever the case might be, there's something there that you're going to do it anyway because you, you, you had that moment, you had that feeling. Um, there's something in your mind, in your head that clicked, that told you this is real. And maybe, you know, later on you'll have another experience. Well, you'll have another confirmation. You'll run another type of evidence. But like I said, once you have that experience, it's, believe me, you know very easily how to distinguish between that and either residual or fake stuff or the wind or whatever. Um, you know, your standards become different. And you pursue it but with a different mindset, with a different mindset. And this has nothing whatsoever to do with what he was talking about that, you know, he learned a lot from his first experience as far as shooting angles and lighting and all of that. You know, we're talking here the practical part of producing something. Okay, I'm talking about the approach or that experience that he had on the bridge. Folks, I've been doing this for a long time, okay? And luckily, and I'm going to say luckily, and I'm going to underline that. I have never had something as violent or as tactile as something uh, that was choking me and that I felt was on my back. Okay. And that made me throw up because basically I'm either between what's choking me and the milliseconds in your mind when you realize it's not my father, it's not my brother, there's nobody around me. So what is got me in a chokehold? Okay. Luckily, I've never had that experience and I hope never to have it. Believe me. Uh, when you have those experiences, your mindset is totally different as to what you produce uh, or how you pursue it because you you know what's real and what's not. You've you've had that experience. You're on the other side of it now. You're one of us. You're what I call now a true a believer. That's what I call it, a true believer. And talking about true believers, okay. Which again, I, I loved. Uh, I'm uh, I, I I'm gonna put a, a credit a link. To, I'm sorry. In the credits, you'll have a link to Remzo's uh, website. If you want to check it out. Uh, obviously, he has uh, special access for his Patreon. Uh, you know, people that that uh, that participate with him in Patreon. But talking about true believers, I'm looking for true believers. Okay, uh, and what I'm hoping for is that uh, because I constantly get a lot of stories sent to me via email, so much so that it's just beyond me. So what I'm hoping for is if you could tape yourself and send it to me. You know, videotape yourself with your phone, with your camera. If you want to do it just audio and send me an MP3 file, that is fine. Because um, it's it's easier for me. Uh, I'll include it in my shows. Uh, and it's just, there's something different when somebody tells you the story versus when they write it. Some people are really good about descriptions 
and you get it. But there's others that I know that there would be just more to the story if they were telling me, like telling me. So by all means, please go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can submit it there. You can find me on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and just send me your your film. You know, send me the film. Uh, and just don't worry about it. Just tell me the story. Like if you're talking to anybody, just don't worry about whether it's believable because I've heard everything. Believe me, I'm shock proof and I will believe anything because I've heard it all. Take my word for it. So send it to me and I look forward to it. And like I said, I'm, I would love to include in all the shows and it's going to help me tremendously, which is going through a bunch of emails, which is what I'm doing right now. So again, guys, I hope you like this show. Please subscribe to my channel. Please hit the like button. Uh, for the show, uh, I'm also uh, releasing podcasts of the show because I've had so much demand for it. You can find, you can download it on my website. You can find us on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on Speaker. You can find me all over the place with a podcast version for those of you who would like to listen to the show versus looking at it. So guys, take care. Thank you so much for viewing and listening.